the Balat. Two stories of stone and flaking stucco rose up like an abandoned watchtower between a bakery and a record store. I moved in on May 9, 1990. Inside, everything appeared gray-brown, as if in a sepia photograph, until I started removing the dust. I could touch the sagging ceilings of both floors of the house without standing on my toes. Cones of light filtered into my bedroom through oval, platter-sized windows. The furniture was of heavy, time-worn wood, pieces evidently purchased when Lugo was a boy, now all antiques. In my bedroom closet I found thousands of sugar cubes neatly stacked in leather suitcases. Apparently it had been scarce during World War II. Were the cubes already packed away in case Lugo had to make a quick exit? Maybe Jews should always have at least one suitcase prepared, I thought. In a worm-eaten dresser, under cotton underwear, I found rancid Turkish chocolate bars. I was pleased. Lugo and I undoubtedly shared a sweet tooth. My bed was an iron frame with a squashed mattress manufactured in Konya. The script of the tag was in Arabic, making it about seventy years old. In the 1920s, the Latin alphabet replaced the Arabic one throughout Turkey. The house had no shower. One sink gave a thin stream of cold brown water that smelled of chlorine and rust. Lugo and his wife must have gone to the baths. I had many companion mice, but miraculously there were no ants and no bedbugs. That July, Abraham Vital decided to begin bringing the house up to 20th century Western standards. Remodeling began with the cellar so that I wouldn't be too disturbed. On July 18th, workmen came across a secret lair, two feet deep and four feet square, which had been covered with wood planks and a cement casing. Inside this hiding place sat a teak a small cylindrical chest used by Sephardic Jews to house the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. Decorated with elaborate silver filigree and enamel peacocks, it was found to contain not a Torah, but a leather-bound set of handwritten manuscripts, nine in all. The manuscripts were in the square Hebrew script typical of Iberia, the language largely Jewish-Portuguese an old Portuguese written in Hebrew characters. Portions of the early works, however, were in medieval Hebrew itself. The writing was done with a calamus, the reed pen used in Iberia. The paper was in excellent condition. All but three of the manuscripts bore polished vellum covers on which a title is illuminated with bird-headed letters. Hoopos, owls, thrushes, European goldfinches, and peacocks predominate. One species of hummingbird, remarkably a New World family of birds, is also pictured. Lacy, intricate, geometrical patterns and arabesques form the backgrounds to titles. Gold leaf is used liberally. A bright carmine and the blue of lapis lazuli are the dominant colors. I found that all of the manuscripts were signed in a careful script in the form of an Egyptian ibis by a man named Berekia Zarku. From the dates penned next to his signatures and references in the text, we know that they were written over the course of twenty-three years, 
from 5267 to 5290 in the Hebrew calendar, 1507 to 1530 CE. On the night of July 18, 1990, I began reading his work. What I found were six treatises on various aspects of the Kabbalah, the mystical philosophy which radiated out into the Jewish diaspora from Provence in the early Middle Ages and which has been passed down in subsequent centuries both orally and in texts. The most well-known of these Kabbalistic texts are the Bahir and the Zohar. Three of Berakia's manuscripts, those without title pages, were of a secular nature, however. Bound together by a leather strap, the first dated from 1507 and the last two from 1530. Right from my first inspection, it was evident that they concerned the Lisbon Massacre of April 1506. Some 2,000 new Christians...